DGI Multiverse to another episode of Dad's Got Issues podcast. I am DGI Mark, and DGI Charlie is back with us for this issue. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hey, thanks for uh, for holding down the fort, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, making your uh, your solo run there uh, on Monday. Yeah, I know. Appreciate it, man. Keep, keep, it up, keep it up, and I'm going to go away a biggie and break off from this thing. Um, but, uh, so we are, uh, we are at issue number 25, um, our hot off the press issue for this week. Uh, we are going to be diving into a surprising amount of independent work, um, as it comes to comics. Um, not a whole lot in way of comic news. Um, the, I think the big news I, I we hit on, over the last two weeks was uh, DC had their second round of layoffs for 2020. Um, I think a lot of them were probably expected this go around. I think these were people that were wrapping up a lot of their, their duties or, or, or books or tasks or whatever for the company. And they, um, you know, they, they, they were finishing up what was expected of them for 2020 and, you know, given their future endeavors, so to speak. Um, it's obviously, like we said, with the first go around, it's still just as sad to hear people losing their jobs in the midst of a pandemic. And I still don't think it's a good sign for the future of DC Comics as a publishing company. But that remains to be seen. We know that they, them, um, Warner Brothers, AT&T, um, clear, clearly have an effectuation uh, with digital formatting. Um, and yeah. it's, it, it sounds like that's what they want to start focusing their efforts towards, which for a paper and print guy like myself and like Charlie, it, it, it's not what we want to hear. Um, but no, we like picking up a comic book and, and reading it and having it. Yeah. You both have that, that tangible thing, right? Like, yeah, I guess technically you could save it on your tablet or whatever. Yeah. It's not it's just not the same but it sounds like um over the next you know obviously we get future state in january and february um march we're supposed to get our slate of title normal titles back in you know syndication but i don't from what I'm, i've been reading and trying to keep up with i don't know how much we're going to get back i think what works for future state you will probably see starting to pop up in your your immediate continuation of the current um, run of comics, and basically we're going to be moving towards that direction or that future. Um, if Future State doesn't sell well or doesn't do well, um, I could see them pushing those characters back or just giving them like a separate Elseworlds type universe or whatever. Um, but it sounded like from a lot of the speculation or rumors that they were trying to move away from a multiverse setup. They want to go to a more singular universe with single track storytelling, which gets you from, you know, one year to the next to the next. And then obviously characters age out or phase out over time, which I mean, may work, may not work. Who knows? Um, at this point, I'm just waiting for Disney to buy everything. And, um, we, 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 we all live under the same umbrella. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's really the, the only big news. Um, they did release some more cover work for future state. Um, I think it was either issues two or four for the new Batman. So we are going to get a crossover, um, between Batman and the dark detective. And like we discussed last time, the new Batman will be somebody different than Bruce Wayne 
and the dark detective will be Bruce Wayne just as like a more underground gritty Batman um, take on the character. So we will get a crossover in future state between those two characters. Um, but I'm excited about future state. Um, until I read it and I decide whether I like it or not. But as of right now, I'm excited. I do like the character designs. I do like the art that I'm seeing for it. Um, obviously, we don't know the story yet, but I, I trust that John Ridley will deliver for Batman. Um, but uh, we will get into what we've read over the last couple of weeks. Um, do you want to start with Mighty Morphin um, and Power Rangers? Yeah, we can start there. Um... I know you, know you got to go through it, at least skim through it. Um, so Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers are both, uh, you know, I think what we're looking at is it's, it's obviously post everything from the boom Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic, right? More yeah. Draken happened, Shattered Grid happened, um, you know, everything that was going on there happened. But we're in the, what it feels like in this, like, reset stage right like at, at the end of shattered grid and, and, and that whole storyline yeah um you know the after the grid uh stuff where everybody's like they kind of just go back and now we're starting anew so it might be more when we see lord draken uh is is caged up in the command center uh he's got a nice new uh hairdo and and uh face tat and all sorts of stuff yeah um and uh or wait i'm sorry that is empowering that's in, you know, so that's empowering so they don't even yeah. you don't even see Drak in, in mighty morphin number one um right. they well, they allude to him they say he's still in captivity and all the other stuff because they're trying to figure out who this new green ranger is right um, and that's where um uh rocky and adam have the bet because uh adam's like i know who it is and thinks that uh, the, this the new Green Ranger is uh, is Draken, and Rocky calls in uh, to uh, to the command center to ask if uh, Draken is still in his cage. And Alpha Five's like, "Yeah, he's still there." Yeah, and he's like, "Great, you owe me five bucks." Like, yeah. They, so they so it's not Draken. Yeah. So in I the new- I read Money Morphin, the original series from Boom. Um, Pretty much up to like issue thirteen or fourteen. Obviously, they had a ton after that, um, so I didn't really read a lot of the Draken and Shatter Grid um, stuff. But I heard tons of great reviews, and people were loving it, especially the the, the Power Ranger you know loyalists. But I was kind of surprised with both of these. Um, not in the sense that there was continuation of the Draken story, because I figured there would be in at least one of the two books. But it seems kind of redundant that both of them are playing off of it. You know what I mean? Like I thought one of them would be like a solid fresh restart where you would just get like a normal, you know, Power Rangers lore. You know what I mean? Like just, it would basically ignore Shattergrid, but the other one would continue on. Right. That story. Well, path. Uh, so from reading both books though, they still have different feels. Yes. Um, Mighty Morphin feels more like a uh, more like a happy-go-lucky uh, traditional what you what what you would picture Power Rangers to be, right? Yes. Um, you still have you know the the more grown-up you know hey this is this is fighting and everything, but uh, nowhere near as uh, 
I guess the word dark comes to mind. Like, yeah. even though it wasn't really dark in, in the, in the original boom run. Um, but you know, there was, there was death, there was, there was grittiness to us. And maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, whereas, uh, you know, with Mighty Morphin, you don't really feel that. Power I w- Rangers. I would say that the, feel- I would say that the original series matured. You went from the normal, the, like the original campy style, smash and dash Power Ranger stories to a more complex Shatter Grid, Lord Draken storyline. And it matured as the, you know, as the, as the title gained, uh, new, you know, as, as the, the title numbers gained. So as you got further into the series, the tone shifted significantly in the original boom series to that, you know, that very dark and like you said, v- more gritty version with, with Lord Draken and the shatter grid stuff. Yeah. I, I think that's a great way to, to put it. Um, so, but I feel like power Rangers has that grit still yeah. to it. Uh, and, and you kind of see that right with, with everything going on uh, with, with the Omega Rangers being, you know, Zach, Trini and uh, Jason, you know, still donning their colors, but you know, and a continuation from the original Boom series um, as the Omega Rangers. Uh, there's definitely the the drama there. You know, Trini uh, blows up on on Tommy. Yeah. Um, Tommy makes his stance known, and then you know, uh, the the Omega Rangers they break into the command center to get Draken out because they have uh, they want they're trying to save some world, um, which they're successful in doing yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, they beat up uh, Alpha so, Five and sabotage Zordon in order to get access to him. Right. And it's kind of one of those things like, you know, uh, they're doing it for the greater good. That's the way that they're looking at it. And, you know, depending on, you know, it's all about perspective too, right? Like, uh, you know, there's probably going to be, you know, fans just in general that are going to read this story and go, you know, screw the Omega Rangers. They just, yeah. they just sabotage the, the command center. They, they, they are, they're siding with Draken who, you know, is already letting them know, like, I'm not going to help you. Not in the way you want me to. Um, and, uh, is responsible for the death of, of so many of their, their counterparts and colleagues. And yeah. so you, know, you, you have that, uh, and then siding with him or not so much siding with him, but using him as a tool, and it's it's like you know think of like the Walking Dead and you know like a Rick and Negan uh, t- uh, team up you know at the time was why would you do that That's an awful idea yeah. like this guy is mad. Um, so we'll see where the story goes. Whereas with Mighty Morphin, it's okay. Let's find out who this mystery Green Ranger is. Yeah, um, and obviously, and, that- and obviously Zed's back. Um, he, he yeah he came out of his comatose state. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that Zed's army and following, you know, they have nothing to do with this Green Ranger. They don't even know who he is. They want to capture him and figure out right. who he is, but they don't they don't know who he is. So Right. Um Or we don't know yet. You know, but that's that's the whole mystery of it all. Yeah. You know, we don't know who it is. It it could be it could be another guy. Uh, you know, I think they're throwing us like a um, a red herring with that. Uh, I think it was Matt Cook or something. Yeah, the football player. Uh, yeah, that used to date Kimberly. 
Um, I, I think that that's a red herring. I don't yeah. think that he's going to be revealed. Um, so, so I, like I said, I, I, I'm taking this as Batman detective just in Power Rangers form. So you're going to have like detective still ties in at times to Batman in greater story arcs, but a lot of time detective kind of stands on its own as its own story. I don't know how much Power Rangers is going to affect Mighty Morphin or how much Mighty Morphin is going to affect Power Rangers as a story arc. But I think at the beginning being at one issue number one with both of them back to back weeks, they were very similar storylines, just in different directions where yeah. You know, Mighty Morphin was focusing on Angel Grove and problems that are in front of them, where Power Rangers was focusing on the like the fallout from Shattergrid and Lord Draken and that storyline. Um, yeah, and obviously even the art, I was gonna say even the art that you know was was kind of different, right? You yeah, know, in, uh, in Mighty Morphin, the the look is is not what we've become accustomed to. It's much it, Power Rangers. It's much more, it's much more like art deco pop. It's, it's poppy and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of nice because it takes you back to those, uh, like those first like 10 or so issues of the boom run. Um, and like, I like, I like that. I like that the, the, the rain, it it gives it a distinct look and feel comparative to like the rest of the comic book world that everything gets all dark and gritty at some point anyways. Um, Whereas with Power Rangers, they they've stayed in that uh, they've kind of stayed in that 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 realm, right? Yeah, of that style of art that they that we we have become accustomed to with Power Rangers. Story. So yeah, so um, you know, I, I'm going to continue reading. Yeah, uh, you know, there's no secret. <laughs> if anybody's listened to any of our shows, they know I'm a Power Ranger fan, right? So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's I'll, it's definitely one that I'm I'm adding to my pool list now. I, obviously, I picked up the the first issues, but it, yeah, it's definitely back on on my sub sub list, so to speak. Um, so, but yeah, it's de- so we can um, we'll uh, let's. Uh, so we both read crossover, um, which is from Image. Uh, written by Donny Cates, um, I believe drawn by Jeff Shaw. And then let me make sure if I put my foot in my mouth. Yeah, written by Donny Cates, uh, uh, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by D. Kniff, Kniff, Kniff. Um, and uh, story edits were done by Mark Wade, uh, which does not surprise me now that I see that. So, um, Obviously, there was a lot of, I mean, there's not a lot of hype over independent books anymore. Um, I think Department of Truth got a little bit of love. Um, uh, Something is Killing the Children, uh, which we will cover in a future episode uh, or future issue of Hot Off the Press. Um, I wanted wanted to get to it today, but we had a lot on our plates equally. So uh, we're going to push that back until we can give it our full time and attention. Um, But like I said, I think those books have gotten a lot of love in the mainstream media and with a lot of the comic book crowd uh, lately. Uh, but Crossover came out with a lot of fanfare. Like I uh, I was talking with Charlie prior to this. Um, there seems to be, I think, like eight or nine variant covers for this, um, which is, is abnormal, especially for, you know, a uh, an independent book. But this also comes out on a nice... Um, 
like that nicer paperback, you know, the hard, harder cover. Um, right. uh, it's stock. almost like a hard stock. But. Yes, exactly. Um, very similar to like the, um, the Dark Knight Returns uh, series that came out from DC a little while back. But um, yeah, so I, all I knew was is that we were getting a story about superheroes crossing over into reality, essentially. Um, and how reality was coping with that and coexisting with it. Um, obviously that's very, you know, that taps into our wheelhouse of, you know, we're both very big superhero comic guys, but it also falls into the category of that sci-fi, you know, weird, you know, we've, we've always talked about, we like, we like the weird stuff, so to speak. Um, but yeah, so basically if you haven't read crossover, um, it, it it it's it's good, uh, and the arts yeah. and the arts great, um, but basically, uh, one day just out of the blue, you know, shoot this kid's reading a superhero comic at the beginning of it, but like one day out of the blue, um, the comics start bleeding over into reality essentially, and there's this massive like blast. And then a virus is developed and essentially superheroes start popping out of thin air uh, is, is what I, I pick up from it. Um, well, and this is all happening in Denver, right? Yeah, so, in Colorado. Like this, that's, that's where the location of it all is. And yeah. So what ends up happening is, uh, you know, one of the superheroes creates a construct or one, one of the people from the comics creates a construct that will keep everybody contained yeah. in that city. So it says on January 11th, 2017 skies above Colorado opened and what could only be described as a superhero event exploded into our very real world. According to the group of reports and footage, almost every fictional comic book character you have ever heard of has been cited amidst the chaos. And basically it's just showing like all this like wreckage and destruction and death Basically, because it's showing like what the real collateral damage of having superheroes and or supervillains in your world would be. Um, right. And then obviously, uh, if flash forward, it's 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 flashed forward to um, Provo, Utah, and it's uh, it introduces our, I guess, our main character, so to speak. Um, uh, which is a female, which is, is nice to have a female lead. Um, I am looking for her name. I know they introduce her here at some point. Um, Ellie's, um, Ellie is her name. So she's, uh, she's wearing a domino mask, like a hero, a superhero would, but she actually works for a comic book store. She works for the last comic book store in America or in the world, I guess is, is what they allude to. Um, which, uh, the name of the store, I think, was, uh, uh, crap, hold on, I know it, I know it, give me one second. Uh, you said the name of the store? The name of the store was something like, uh... The last, it's the last comic book store. On Earth or something like that? The last comic shop alive is what it was called. There you go. There you go. But yeah, so basically she goes inside and there's obviously people outside. So people are upset, you know, this is very... There's there's a hero, huh? 
it's it's it's, it's political at this point. Yes, right? it's it's um, a it's a hero phobia. It's very similar to like what happened after nine eleven, where you know most of the country came together and kumbaya and ho- held hands. But there was a a good portion of the country that dove pretty deep into Islamophobia and you know that type of hatred for people who look similar to the attackers that you know took the lives of the, of the people on that day. But the same thing is happening in this comic, essentially. So basically anybody that has a support or, you know, expressed, uh, you know, I guess love for, for, for superheroes, they're being ostracized as well and basically targeted. So there's a huge crowd, you know, congregated outside of this comic shop protesting, uh, with a reverend and his son. Um, but so, we're in the comic shop and you get a nice little back and forth between Ellie and Otto, the comic shop o- owner. And basically he's, you know, he owns basically the only comic shop left in the world. And, and like Charlie said, they introduce a lot, a lot of known superheroes. And I don't know how they did this, but like, if you look, if you pay attention as you're looking, they don't like, you can't tell that it's Superman. But, like, you can look and see the comic, and it's, like, I'm looking at one of the panels now. It's clearly a Superman comic and clearly a Spider-Man comic. Um, right. But they also be, like, Invincible, you know, yeah. showing up in there. Like, uh, She's wearing a shirt for Invincible. Right. Yeah. But uh, Invincible is owned by Image, so it makes sense that they can yeah. do it in there. But then you, I, I feel like I remember seeing, like, a, like, in one panel, like, there was a Spider-Man. Um, it's just, uh, and they also reference Superman. Yeah. They reference Superman. And then they also, um, at the beginning, like I said, it opens with a kid reading a comic. And in this comic, you have a superhero that looks oddly like Shazam. Um, at yeah. the beginning. So like you're, you know, they're, they're, they're going about creating their own superheroes or, or universes, but this is extremely based on what we know in this reality as heroes. Um, but so basically you get a nice little back and forth between Ellie and Otto. Um, Otto is the comic book store owner. Well, he ends up seeing, um, he ends up seeing somebody, I guess, taking something and he's like, well, he's like, you know, he goes there and tries to stop the person. And when he grabs onto him, this is where we get introduced to Ava and she is a comic book person. So she's somebody that came from the pages of the comic book, but she's not a superhero. She's just like an ordinary citizen um, from right. the comics. But she does. That's what we're left to assume, right? Is that she's a she's not a hero. She's not a child of any hero or of heroes. She's just a background character that you yes. see filming the scene. Yeah, and she's obviously different. She she's she's got the dotted face, um, like that pop you know, deco art style that you've seen in like in old comics and whatnot. And she, you know, she's dotted her hair's dotted her skin's dotted. Um, and, um, <laughs> they introduce her. This is Ava. She's not from around here. Um, but obviously the people in the shop that are, you know, shopping the shop, see this character and freak out because these, these comic people are not supposed to be outside the bubble. And right. they, they all run outside freaking out and they run into this angry mob who obviously doesn't like the people from inside the bubble. And, um, the shop was like a, uh, was to say they're, they're, they're very, uh, Westboro Baptist. Yes. 
uh, tight people, right? They, yeah. The uh, whole God hates superheroes or whatever or something. I can't remember what was on the bill. So they label them as they label. So so the people of this reality label the comic care the comic people as fake. So like. Ellie and Otto get into an argument like, no, we're going to, we're going to give her over to the, Otto's like, I don't want my shop to be destroyed. I want to give her over to the mob. Ellie's like, we can't do that. She's just the kid. And he basically says she's fake. She's not real. Um, and Ellie takes exception to that. And, you know, she's like, I want to help her and get her out of here. In the midst of while they're doing all that, this reverend who's outside with his son, um, basically, <laughs> basically tells his kid to throw a Molotov cocktail through the freaking window. And the kid does. Um, but Ellie asks the girl, like, how did you get outside the bubble? And she says, there's a man who's taking people out of the bubble. And she says, can you, you know, can you describe him? And she's like, not, not really, but I can draw him. So she does a quick little sketch for Ellie. And I don't, did, did the girl, I think she dies. Because. Yeah, I, I think that she does. When the fire takes over, like. The store, it, it burns like she, her. Right. Yeah. So, so, oh, no, 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 she doesn't. I'm seeing it now in the panel. She's, she's still alive. Yeah. Otto ends okay. up grabbing her. So, so I guess Ellie was more upset at the fact that this, obviously, this being the last comic shop in, in the world, you know, is now going up in flames. There's going to be nothing left, essentially. But, um, yeah. So she, she gives Ellie this drawing of who saved her and brought her out of the bubble. And it, it looks like Superman. Um, yeah. so, like I said, this was fu- this was fucking good, and I don't know if I don't know if maybe I'm just like my my taste is changing or what, but every every independent that you know I, I've did, done our research on before we pick up and I go and pick, they've all been great. I mean, crossover is good. Um, I picked up something is killing the children, volume one. <laughs> that was fantastic. I literally I don't think I've read six comics that fast in my, in, 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 in the last couple of years. Um, and then obviously we have department of truth, um, undiscovered country. And then obviously I picked up commander in crisis, which I also heard has great reviews to this point. And number two comes out, um, tomorrow or today. So like I said, I think, what was that? No, you can go. I was, so one thing that I like and like really wanted to talk about with, with crossover, because I knew we were going to talk about it. And one of the things that I, well, I like in my stories just in general, right. Is stories that make you think, yeah. right. Stories where, you, yeah, we read comics to escape the real world and, and that's what we do. Um, but I, I also enjoy stories that can, can, you know, make you go, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting perspective. And, they bring up Superman and, you know, you go, you know, you exist in this world and, and Superman does it. And that's the reality that we accept. Yes. But Superman, Superman is probably more real than you. Yes. And the way that they clean it up is that, you know, Superman existed before you and I were even alive. Yep. And, right? he's, he, and, will, and he will, he will continue and, to exist way well past us. Right. Until the world ends, Superman will always be known. And so that makes him more because, you know, not everybody will remember you or me. No. But everybody knows who Superman is. And I'm like, 
that's deep. You know, when you yeah, when you start putting that perspective, you're like, yeah, I mean, the heroes, yeah, maybe they don't exist in flesh and blood, but they're still real. Yeah. You know, in, in perspective. So I thought that was good, and I, I you know, I, and I hope that people reading it, you know, they don't dismiss something like that, like and and really latch on to what is being explained to you, right? Because yeah, we're getting a story, but how does it apply to, uh, how does it apply to you? How does it apply to your life? And what can you take away from it to be, uh, you know, to possibly be a better person? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I, I highlighted on, um, Facebook. Yeah. I'm in a, I'm in a new comic group. Uh, one of our MACC members made, and it's it's nice. It's 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 a, a very eclectic mix of individuals. So, but there is a lot of highlight on some of these independent titles. And I, I put in our group, um, basically, that I thought something is killing the children is one of those type of books that this is a this is an AMC show waiting to be made. Like, I mean, I know we're only on issue number twelve. So unless AMC is going to take a flyer and then start writing the books or or pushing the books out quicker, you know, they'd have to do that. But let something is killing the children get to number 50. It'll be a pilot series for AMC in the next year or two. But crossover has that appeal too that Netflix looks for. You know, there's, there, there's some feeling to it. There's emotion in it within that first issue, you know, but obviously it also is going crossover is going to allow image to, to significantly expand their superhero roster, so to speak. Because they'll have to, at some point, they're going to have to start introducing original heroes and bad guys, so to speak. So, like, because we we know they're not going to get Superman. Like, this guy looks like Superman, but he's probably not going to be Superman. You know what I mean? So, that's that's something that I've been thinking about. What if they can pull it off? What if, what if, for some crazy reason, that some crazy executive at Image goes, hey, DC, Hey, Marvel, I have an idea. I mean, and can we borrow these characters? We'll give you a cut. Yeah. But can we use them? You know, and, be, that and, would, that would be extremely interesting, but they allude, they allude to more than just like Superman. Um, they yeah. make a, they make a comment. It says here, it says you name it from green men with fins on their head to men dressed as bats or spiders or gods with giant hammers. People have claimed to have seen them in the footage. No one knows how, no one knows why. If it was a comic, it would be the greatest selling book of all time. Yeah. Well, and you could use, you could use Thor because yeah. Thor is a, is, is a, you know, mythological being. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel has Thor, but you can have a Thor in pretty much anything. And yeah. it doesn't matter because, you're taking from mythology. I think if there's any reason you would pick up crossover and continue to pick it up, other than it being good, is the potentiality that you're going to see something you've never expected to see in a comic book. Like you said, I mean, we we have had crossover events between DC and Marvel. They had that one book in the nineties that everybody combined. That's where we got like dark claw from and the captain America. uh, What was that? 
It was a amalgam or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. But we haven't seen anything like that since, and we haven't heard of anything coming down the pipe like that. There's The divide between DC and Marvel has grown so significant, I don't know if there would ever be a meeting of the minds to have something like that happen again. Barring, like I said, you know, Disney purchases DC for the love of God, so we keep getting publication. Um, because fucking, if you go to a comic book store and you look at the, the, the Marvel publication footprint versus the DC publication footprint, they're, they're about even. But come next March, it's going to be a third of what you see now for DC, and Marvel has made no announcements about canceling any series. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I definitely... Crossovers, uh, for me, is definitely a certified awesome pickup for, for anybody that's looking for a new independent series. Um, we're not going to dive into Something is Killing the Children as much as I want to. I want you to be able to read it and get you know get your thoughts on that. So we'll save that. Um, me and Charlie are going to do our best to try and actually deliver another Hot Off the Press issue next week. Um, our lives have been super hectic between the both of us with switching schedules and obviously some family um, stuff for Charlie on his end. So we're, we're trying to get a more concrete schedule of recording down for each issue and spread out the recordings so we can, you know, we can, we can do them and, and do them in a timely fashion. Um, but, uh, the last thing I want to get into as far as comics goes is what is currently going on in the DC slate for Batman with detective and the Batman title series. And, and not necessarily to talk about the series, but to talk about the two bad guys that have been introduced um, after Batman 100 and the end of Joker Wars um, and the post-Detective 1027 um, and Joker Wars um, run in Detective. So in Batman, we have been introduced to Ghostmaker, um, he made his first appearance in Batman 100 um, at the end, um, but he was identified in 102 as Tommy Tavane, um, who apparently was doing the same exact thing that Bruce was doing through his early adolescence. He was traveling the world. He was learning all the ways to fight and detect and basically be basically be Batman before Batman. Um and him and Bruce have apparently had had a couple run-ins um, during the midst of their training because they were doing it at the same time. Um, and like I said, in 102, they point that out. And, you know, him and him and Bruce end up getting into... Um, sorry, it's not Tommy Tavane, is it? No, Tommy Tavane is, is the, the mentor. Sorry. Yeah, he's the mentor that Bruce was looking for to learn how to knife fight. I was trying to find the name of... What the hell? I thought, he's, I thought he identifies him. I wish I could help you out, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. So, so basically, you're introduced. To, you're introduced to Ghostmaker as a a young adolescent, um, not a young. I say a young adult, young, you know, young man. Same. So this is this is very very on pre Batman. Um, Tommy Devane is is a knife expert that Bruce is trying to find in order to learn, um, basically learn his ways, um, and become a pupil of him, like he did with most of his his training throughout. Um, 
but they don't. So it says, uh, beat you again, Bruce. Go find your own knife expert. The worst one's mine. Uh, Bruce, I swore if I saw you again, I'd break every bone in your body, blah, 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 after Morocco. So obviously they've run into each other prior to this. Um, but then they obviously in one or two, they jump ahead time, whatever. And then Batman and this guy end up having another showdown, um, at the, um, a little brief fight at the end of one or two. Um, basically they lock horns, um, and Ghostmaker raises a proposition of like, okay, well, if you win this go around, uh, you know, I'll go away. And if you don't, you know, I take Gotham. Gotham's my city now is essentially what Ghostmaker says. And the reason why him and Batman are going at it is because Ghostmaker wants to take out the clown killer. Um, but like I said, the reason why I wanted to talk about Ghostmaker and obviously I'm going to dive in into detective in the, um, the mirror is because I want to know, you know, obviously you're not super caught up on it, but between the two of them, one of them has to have staying power. You know what I mean? Like one of them has to be a bad guy that lasts longer than three or four issues because they had this issue. They had this issue with detective 1000. They introduced Arkham Knight and they fucking blew it up. They made it this massive deal. It's really not a big deal because they only did Arkham Knight for like five or six issues and Batman beat her pretty handedly like it wasn't even a fucking task like she caught him off guard like three times and then he was like oh well fuck this chick i'm just gonna punch her in her face and then it's what he does and that's how he beat her but like obviously they're they're playing up Ghostmaker to be this basically he's bruce wayne without a conscience he doesn't care to kill he'll kill in order to fix the city and he'll wipe the city clean he's basically saying he's going to purify gotham is his his thought process very azariel I was gonna say it sounds like a like a Roz almost, uh, you know, uh, where he's like, you know, I, I, I want to, I want Gotham to be what I want it to be. Well, no, he, he, is. he wants to save Gotham, and he believes that Batman's pen, or propensity to to take care of the criminals by not just ridding Gotham of them completely by you know murder that Batman is failing the city. And, you know, okay. he, he's coming in to, he's coming in essentially to do what Batman can't do. And, you know, obviously this oh. is, this is post Joker war where the city's at its most vulnerable public opinion of the bat family is pretty low at this point because obviously Batman didn't do a good enough job to stop Joker from doing what he did. Um, is, uh, is, is he, is he, is he killing criminals? Yes. So okay. he, um, I don't know if it was 102 or 101 where he, he actually takes out somebody. But I know he was looking for Clown Killer in issue 102, which I have in my hand. So basically, Count, Clown Killer is across the way from Harley Quinn, who is renting a new apartment in Gotham. Because um, that's what crazy you know, people do, I guess. Um, but he, he's been seeking out Clown Killer because he wants to stop him. You know, obviously, Clown Killer is killing all Joker's former henchmen and, you know, associates. And he, Ghostmaker, like most of the Bat family, believes that Clown Killer is a problem that Batman needs to address. Batman believes, I will get to it when I get a moment to breathe from all this Joker War stuff, and I'll save this kid and basically put him on the right path. Um, but he says, um, 
But here, here's a quote. See, I don't come from a backwards place like Gotham. I come from the world out there. And out there, we don't just throw our killers back into the water with the other fish. We gut them. And then Clown Killer says, yeah, I really don't like you. Um, but obviously, Batman, jump, and then Batman jumps down and says, yeah, that makes two of us. Um, Ghostmaker, <laughs> Batman, we had agreement. This is my city. So this is my thing. You know, we just got through three Jokers. And Batman makes a statement at the end of it. And he says, you know, Alfred, what everybody says about me is true. I'm the world's greatest detective. I knew within the first day of, of, of interacting with the Joker who he was. You know, but I obviously couldn't tell. I couldn't make the statement of like, I know that this person is this person because it puts the people that, they, that he was close to before his accident in danger. My question becomes, we read that and then we read Batman weekly. And you mean to fucking tell me Ghostmaker got the jump on Batman? Was he right. that distracted, that distracted by Joker and Joker Wars that he didn't see the vulnerability that he was creating for himself? That somebody who is pretty much on par, at least that's what they're telling us, on par with Batman's abilities and from the look of it, his technology, you know, he, he, was, he was that naive to that, that this person, who apparently he had a he had a deal with, we had an agreement. This is my city, and the guy says, "Then do your damn job." So, like, they've clearly discussed who Gotham belongs to, and if Batman clearly was failing in protecting a city, did he not think this guy was going to come in and then inflict his form of justice upon Gotham? Um. I don't mind it. I love the character design. I think he's a, he's a cool looking character. Um, at the beginning of it, he's always worn a mask and maybe that's why Bruce doesn't really know who he is because even when they get into the fight in the alley, when they're, they're, they're young before their, their costume days, he still has a bandana on his face that looks just like his helmet that he, he wears now. Um, right. But yeah, so that's Ghostmaker, And then obviously we have detective, uh, which is still being written. Uh, Batman's still being written by James um, Tynan. And then James Tom- or, um, Tomasi um, is writing. I, I said James. Tomasi's writing um, Detective still. And in Detective, uh, we were obviously, we're, we're dealing with the fallout from Joker Wars. Um, and there is a former police officer who's now permanently disabled. He's missing an eye. Um, that was lost in the Battle of Battle of Gotham is essentially what they're calling it, and you know he he's now running for mayor. He wants to become the next mayor of Gotham City, but he's running on a no vigilante platform. He wants to unmask all the all the vigilantes. He wants to take down basically take down Batman. And obviously Bruce doesn't have the money and the resources that he once had, but he's still like you know he makes a makes a comment in one of the the, the more recent issues of Detective. He's at a gala on a boat. And the guy's like, oh, I thought you were broke, Bruce. Da, 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 da. And he's like, uh, I kept some thing, I kept some money put away. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I wasn't that dumb. And um, he basically alludes that, like, yeah, I'm not as rich as I once, but I have to maintain certain appearances. Um, but so this guy's running on this platform of no masks, no vigilantes, no nothing. Well, he's getting a backing from a more like a radical, you know, almost like cult leader who's calling himself the mirror and he fucking, I shit you not. He wears an entire outfit that's mirror. 
Like his mask is like a silver that you can see yourself, but then like his jet, his bomber jacket is mirror. His pants, his BDU pants are mirror. His boots are shiny enough. You can see like, and I'm like, it's kind of a dope character design. Like I was like, it's pretty fucking cool. I mean, it's super bright if you shine light on him, I'm sure, but like he's not hiding from anyone. But right. but basically, he gets up and he's you know somebody in the crowd's like, well, you're wearing a mask. He's like, this isn't a mask, this is a mirror, so you can look at it and you can see yourself. Blah blah blah. blah. You can see yourself in me. And like basically, this is how he's spreading this this propaganda of like we need to unmask these vigilantes and bring them to justice if they continue to do what they're doing. Um, and Batman hasn't had a whole lot of face to face with this guy yet, but. I think detective is moving towards future state because we know in future state, the reason why Bruce is the dark detective is because he's been forced underground because there, there is basically a, a, a futuristic task force that's out trying to capture him and trying to stop him from doing what he does. Um, that much we do know from the story, but I'm just, I'm very interested in which, which one of these, cause it's always interesting when you in, introduce a new character, you know, or a new bad guy, so to speak. James has done it twice now. He did it in, um, detective in the initial rebirth run. He introduced the victim syndicate, which I'm a huge fan of. They could bring the victim syndicate back and I would, I would read that whole, I, they could do the same arc twice, just in a different style or format. And I'd read it again. I just love, I love those characters. They were great. Um, but then obviously he introduced Ghostmaker and then obviously Tomasi's now introducing the mirror. Um, I'm just very interested in which one I it's tough to tell which one's gonna stick around, which one which one could potentially become a staple. Um obviously Batman has a ton of assassin and mercenary bad guys that he already deals with. So like Ghostmaker kind of just becomes like another death, you know, a death stroke or, you know, like you said, Raz Al Ghul or whoever, you know, else. But the mirror, he's not really like a, he doesn't really have a purpose for personal gain. At least he hasn't put that out there, so to speak. Um, but he falls more into the, like the, you know, anarchy category, you know, um, who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like he falls into that. Like he's trying to push social change and justice change, but he's trying to anoint people in doing so. And we don't know who he is. Obviously he's been masked up the whole time he's been. In, in the detective run. Um, I would assume we will get to figure that out at some point, but it'll be interesting. And also obviously Damien is, um, Damien took Batman's little black book <laughs> in, uh, um, detective. So his little black book basically is the names of all the people that Batman ever wanted to take down. Like Batman keeps a log of it. Right. And Damien stole that in the midst of the Joker wars. And obviously we haven't seen Damien since City of Bane when obviously Alfred was killed in front of him. But it seems like Damien is now coming back in tow and detective and is looking to take out the people that, that, that Bruce has kind of put off because he's dealing with his rogues and his, his normal bad guys. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, like I said, I think, do I think anything that's going on in Batman or detective is very is like amazing and like you absolutely have to pick it up. No, but from like a collector standpoint, like I have, obviously I get all, I get both a and B covers for every Batman book that comes out. They've been releasing C covers, um, which are like a one in 25. 
for um, Batman, which um, Jorge Jimenez is, is still doing the covers for that. And basically, it's like a, it's like a character sketch cover. Um, from a collector's standpoint, like you're missing out on first appearances with this if you if you wait to get it. You know what I mean? And if in future state blows up, you're going to want to have these first appearances. You're going to want to have that book because if future state becomes so popular, one of these two books is going to push us to future state. And I believe it's going to be detective, but one of these two books from this series is going to do it. And we know Batman's collectible. So if you're out there and you're, you're listening to this and you don't really pick up Batman on the regular, at least trying to get yourself from 100 to, to now with Ghostmaker. And then I believe Detective 1027 is when we were introduced to the mirror. And now I think we're on like 1032 or something like that. I think that's what we would be coming up to. I would say at least pick up that and, and give it a read. I mean, they're both doing pretty good. And I haven't been very complimentary to Tomasi on here at all with his detective run. I haven't, I have not been a big fan of him, but he's doing, I think this mirror thing is pretty good. I'm um, especially with everything that's going on in the world today and how people are reacting to authority or figures that enforce the law and in, in, of the land, so to speak. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's good. Like, you know, and, and kind of like what I was saying with, uh, with crossover, right. Is, you know, we read these stories to escape the world that we're in, but it's good to make us think. And yeah, you know, and it is. And and like I said, I think with like you, we've always said we're not political on here. We will never dive into politics on 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 any of our issues, barring like the federal government bans comic books or something. Right. Um, but my thing is, when you can when you can do something tastefully. And take your jabs at like the things you believe in, because trust me, we we follow all our favorite creators on on social media, and Twitter in and of itself over the last year has become one of the most toxic forms of social media. I think we follow, and and, and are a part of, and we obviously we just put out our show stuff. We don't talk nothing on there, but you know, a lot of our creators and our, our writers, they have their, their beliefs and their opinions and they're very vocal about it and they use their platform and congratulations. You have hundreds of thousands of people that follow you because they love your work and you want to spread your message. That's great. But some of those guys, you can tell in their writing, they write how they feel. And some of them do it better than others as far as doing it so where even people that may not agree with you are still interested in your work because they they can find relatability in the message. And I think James does a pretty good job of that with like Department of Truth and with Something is Killing the Children. I think, um, obviously, I don't, Tomasi doesn't tweet a whole lot about politics and all that other stuff because he is a, an executive level person at the company. But even, you know, even his, you know, detective run right now is starting to really get into that, that, you know, we need to reimagine what law and order is in the city of Gotham. And it can't be a vigilante running around with a bat on his chest, essentially. So, like I said, but he's doing it tastefully, and it's it's an enjoyable read. Um, there are, like I said, there are some more radical, not radical, but more vocal artists and writers and things like that that are, are writing some of our favorite books. And I think you can see that in a lot of their work. Um, but... I hope it doesn't get to the point to where it affects their work in a negative light and people start, you know, having a negative connotation with their work versus their characters. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I just wanted to touch on that. Obviously, uh, I'm a big Batman guy, but um, 
And I always get excited when they introduce new characters, old characters, or whatever. But it's interesting to have not competing books, but concurrently running books of the same character that you get first appearances like within an issue or two of one another. You know what I mean? It's very rare that that happens. Um, And then obviously I I picked up um, Punchline, number one. I don't know if that's a one-shot or not. I I didn't read the the cover of it, but um, I kind of liked it. I mean, I do. I, I still think she's a very poor attempt of, at a knockoff of Harley Quinn, but she definitely has her different. She definitely has a different purpose than Harley Quinn. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. If you haven't read it, because obviously you read you read Joker Wars just like I did. Sure. Take take a minute and read that when you get a shot, because I, I I'd like we could talk about that on, on another issue. But basically, she it picks up with her. Remember at the end of Joker Wars, she makes the apology and she basically yeah. comes out and says, like, I didn't know what I was doing and plays it up. Yeah. And then obviously we know Joker at the end of that is like, oh, she she did it great. She did a great job with that. Like basically saying that she was just pulling everybody's fucking chain. Well, they yeah. they, they they further elaborate on that and like how he recruited her in and how she fell for him and how she fell for his message and how she fell for his message in a way that like Harley didn't. Harley just wanted Joker to love her where Punchline legitimately wants the same things that Joker wants for the world. She just wants chaos. So like they dive into that and then they dive into her apology and the psychology behind it. And like they're basically at the end of it, you have like people standing out of the courthouse the day that she's going to be arraigned and sentenced and they're screaming her name and chanting her name and basically saying like, you know, she's, she's it, you know, she's, she, she's, she's the person we want to follow kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. It was a good one shot. It's written by James, so it's true to the character, obviously. Like I said, James has introduced a lot of new characters to the Batman series, a lot more than we've had in recent memory. Um, but like I said, I think obviously she grew in popularity because people love Harley Quinn. But I right. think I think Punchline has Punchline has definitely has a different a, a different approach to things and a different rationale behind why she's doing what she's doing. Well, if it's a if it, if she continues to show that she's a uh, an intelligent character, um, that um, you know can operate the uh, operate in kind of the same way as you. Actually, I'll I'll go one further, and it might sound even blasphemous, but operate better than Joker. Yes. Um, then you know I think that you know. Now you have a strong female villain because let's let's be honest, Catwoman is not really seen as a villain as much as she's an anti-hero so at this point. All the bad guys in Batman have the same Achilles heel. They all care what Batman thinks of them. Punchline does not. She made that abundantly clear during Joker Wars. She how many times did she ask Joker, hey, can we go kill him now? Hey, can we go kill him now? Can we go kill her now? Like she just wants to wipe the board clean. She doesn't give a shit. There's no reason or rationale to her to wait. Where Joker's like, it's a game. We're playing the game. This is how we do things. This is what we do. And you're like, you can tell she's pissed. And she wanted right. to she wanted to kill Batman in issue number 92. We got all the way to 100 and she was getting arrested because Joker basically played the game too long. And and obviously, you know, Harley's Harley's Achilles heel was she cared what Joker wanted. So if Joker didn't want to kill Batman and he just wanted to keep doing this, you know, revolving door of, of 
you know, bad guy does bad thing. Batman beats up bad guy. Batman takes guy to Arkham. He breaks out of Arkham and starts the cycle again. Harley was going to do it, you know, where Punchline doesn't seem to care about money. She doesn't seem to care about the fame of being a, 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 in the rogues gallery. She doesn't care about whether Batman lives or dies or anybody around him lives or dies. And I think that's what makes her a little more dangerous than Harley. And it definitely puts her on the level of, of as, as dangerous of an adversary as Joker because Joker can't get over his obsession with Batman. He says it all the time. Why would I kill you? I'm having so much fun. Like that's the, like if I kill you, I have no purpose. Like I have no reason to do this anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see where that goes. I don't, like I said, I, I, I don't have the issue in front of me. Like I have the other books we went over today. So I don't know if it was a one shot or not, but if it wasn't, if it's going to be an ongoing series, I'll probably pick it up just to see where it heads. Cause I'm interested to see who, who, who tangles horns with her next. Cause it can't be Batman. Batman's got too much shit on his plate. He's got Ghostmaker. He's got the mirror. He's fucking losing his entire fortune. Like I would be interested to see her line up with like, like Red Hood or Nightwing, because both of those series are going on. Or even if you're going to do just do a punchline storyline, the problem is, is I, I wouldn't mind her seeing going against Batgirl, but obviously Batgirl's not having a standalone book anymore, and she's going back to her Oracle role, which they introduced in um, Detective, which was nice. Right. Well, I also think that, like, you know, we can get, we can move away from you know a female hero has to fight a female villain, yeah. right? Like. We don't need that. Like, if you want to put her up against Nightwing, if you want to make, I mean, you know, Nightwing's got his own, you know, group of guys that he has to deal with. Deathstroke being one of them. Yeah. Um, but if you want to add her to it, you know, it, it would make sense. I honestly, I, I honestly wouldn't mind her. If you wanted to build Luke Fox up to make me believe that Luke Fox could be the next Batman in this future state stuff, have him do a very short, very short. It doesn't have to be very long. Just do a short storyline of him versus punchline and let punchline ultimately lose at the beginning. Let, let Luke get the upper hand, maybe his new fortune, maybe the new toys that he's gotten from his dad, not having to answer to Bruce, so to speak anymore as Batwing, He can now go out and do his own thing. And then obviously, you know, in the future state book, I don't know. We don't know who the good or bad guys are going to end up being, but maybe have her play a role in that. You know what I mean? Like she's a little older too. She's, she's more developed and, and, and seasoned in that role of punchline. And now she can be, she can be the big bad, so to speak. And I mean, we're all about gender equality around here, right? That's what everybody wants to push. So why can't the next big bad for a bat, a main Batman title series, be a female. I don't, I don't see, I don't see why not. They've always played cannon fodder to me, like Harley, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, Tyler Al Ghul. You know those characters don't really, you know, they don't really, they don't really have a lot to to offer, so to speak, because none of them are going to be Batman. Like you have no belief right. that any of those four are going to are going to topple or are going to topple the Dark Knight. Um, but uh. We'll move on. We will we will close the the, the chapter on that um, for today's issue. Um, and we'll obviously I'll try. You know I'm hoping you keep up on it. We can keep readers updated on what what's going on with the two two bad guys and where it's heading. And obviously any updates with Punchline we'll we'll, we'll cover as well. Um, but new today um, in your comic shops you have Batman 103, um, Warshack number two, uh, which we will also get into in a later issue. Um, 
Death Metal number five, Injustice League number fifty seven, which is also a Dark Metal, Dark Knights, Death Metals tie in. Um, so speaking of death metals, and I'm just going to mention this. I'm not going to go into detail on it. I'm just going to say that it was really, really, really fucking good. Um, they just did a, they did all those one shots over the last couple months, and in November, you got Death Metal Infinite Hour Extreme, and it was a Lobo based one shot. It was fucking awesome. They introduce Lobo and they like it's all like separate series basically. Lobo is working for Lex Luthor to find Ninth Metal in order to come back so they can use the Ninth Metal to destroy the Batman who laughs. Blah blah blah. That's that's the tie into Death Metal for you. But you also get introduced to the Batman version of Lobo. And it's just a ridiculous, just a ridiculous, you can imagine what the, the fucking conversation went like, you know, um, but it was great. I, I enjoyed it. Like it was one of those ones I was like, man, I got this cause I've read all the other ones that I don't really give a shit to read them. And then like, I started reading it and I was like, holy crap, this is fucking great. It was good. I was very surprised. Um, so if you get it, if you, if you go to your comic shop, I'm sure they probably have plenty of copies of it. Cause like I said, I can't imagine that it was a very popular book. Um, unless you're reading the death metal series, but it was good. It was definitely good. Um, for Marvel, t- uh, today, uh, I, the only thing that I picked out, I mean, obviously you're getting Spider-Man 54 and the, or 53 or 54 or whatever for the, the main amazing Spider-Man series, but you're also getting symbiote Spider-Man number one. Um, which I think is, is, uh, a good jumping point if you're trying to jump into Marvel like we've been trying to do. We're trying to find number ones and new series and things like that we can jump into and pick up on. Um, for um, Boom, you have uh, Something's Killing the Children's number 12 comes out today. And then Commanders in Crisis for Image number two comes out. So some good books coming out. Like I said, Batman 103 will continue the Ghost Maker storyline. Um, Death Metal number five will obviously be continuing their their mega crisis event that they're doing um where that takes us who the hell knows um at this point but like i said death metal's been really good and the justice league tie-in's been fucking phenomenal it's been that's being uh, written by joshua williamson who was uh most recently heading flash for the last like six years but i literally i was reading the la- uh, 56 and i like got to the last page and like they hit you with a cliffhanger and I was like, fuck. I was like, I wish I had that. I wish I had the next issue. Like it was, it was that good. I was like, damn, this is, this is so good. And Ju- justice league is following, uh, cyborg, basically the older teen Titans, cyborg, starfire, um, nightwing, um, detective chimp, Lex Luthor. They just, um, Oh, so the, so the cliffhanger for justice league 56 was, um, basically they were trying to free from the tower of doom, because that's what, you know, Legion of Doom. Um, Perpetua and the Batman Who Laughs have had um, Cheetah, Gorilla Grodd, um, Sinestro, um, and Brainiac captured. And basically, Lex Luthor's like, in order to win this war, we need to take the Tower of Doom out, because that's powering Perpetua and, and the Batman Who Laughs, but also free these rogues who will help us win. And that's what he convinces the heroes to do. Why Dick Grayson believed the fucking word that comes out of Lex Luthor's mouth is beyond me. But obviously, at the end of it, they free these guys, they free all the bad guys, and at the end of it, 
basically Dick looks up and like he realizes like Detective Chimp is dead and there's some other like people that are really banged up and brute and he's like looking around and he looks up the hill and it's Cheetah, Sinestro and Gorilla Grodd and they're standing there and basically they said, well, who's going to help you now, hero? And basically saying right. like, oh, well, you're fucked. You just screwed yourself. But like, right. but like I said, I was like, shit, I was like, that was a fucking great cliffhanger. Like, obviously makes me extremely interested to read number 57. And this tie-in, I, I actually read yesterday, this tie-in series, I believe, is a six-issue tie-in series to Death Metal for Justice League. And then I guess Justice League will take a break and then start back up after the culmination of Death Metal. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's what's coming out tomorrow. Um, if there's anything that I missed or that, 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 that you're excited about, you know, as a listener... Obviously, uh, shoot, you can shoot us a message or whatnot, but, um, like I said earlier in the middle of the, this issue, we, we do want to try and start doing this weekly for you guys to cut down the runtime on the show, but also so we can dive more in depth into some of these books. Cause like you said, crossover was great. We had a great discussion on that today. Um, yeah. something is killing the children. Like I said, once Charlie gets caught up and you know, I'm going to try and actually get caught up, caught up to the most current issue. I, that. Like I said, that, those first five, I think it's either five or six issues that are in that, that first volume of the collected edition were fantastic. There's a lot to talk about and unpack there. And we're becoming extremely, extremely biased towards the work of, of, of a one James uh, Tynan because we, we, we loved we, – we really enjoyed Joker War. I don't want to say I loved it because the ending was kind of blah. But yeah. I enjoyed his work on Detective. I enjoyed his – Batman TMNT um, team up. I enjoyed uh, his now, his current run through Batman. I enjoyed, uh, I'm enjoying Department of Truth. And obviously now I've read something's killing the children. I mean, the guy, the guy don't miss. He just don't miss. And, and, and I can't believe like this whole time, like he's just kind of been doing his thing. And I, I haven't read his, up, up until his run on Detective and really TMNT Batman was the first thing I read from him. Wasn't really much I had I'd ever read from him, and like I said, he's turned into probably my favorite author across all genres, so to speak. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, he's knocking it out of the park, and uh, that's good. You know, fresh takes and and new stories. That's that's what we want. You know, so. Um, yeah, and yeah. and that's and that's what you know we're interested in, but um, yeah. So like I said. Obviously, we want to try and do this weekly. If we can get another issue in next week, we'll cover some of the books that we said we wanted to cover um, and get to. Maybe some of the stuff, uh, like I said, I'd like to get the Rorschach. Um, I'd like to, you know, finally, we haven't really even touched on death metal at all. Um, yeah. I, I'd maybe maybe see what we get out of death metal this week and see if it's worth touching on or if we just wait till the end of the series to kind of dive in and break it down and, you know, talk about what the effects it's going to have as a lasting series in the multiverse uh, for DC. Wolverine, uh, black, white, or what is it? White, black, and black, white black, and white, and blood. blood. Yeah. I have it sitting right yeah. here. Yeah. Um, definitely want to get, that. yes, yes, we do. And, um, obviously it's always great to get a new, get, like I said, to get recommendations from people, but it's also great when we can find series of characters that we know and we've loved, um, and bring them, you know, bring them back in and, and start covering them as well. Um, but yeah, so, uh, 
that wraps up this week's um, hot off the press issue. We will be shutting it down um, for today, at least. Uh, make sure you guys get out to your local comic shops today. Um, it's obviously a new comic book Wednesday. We like to drop on Wednesdays because of that. Uh, make sure you're out supporting them. I know on November 23rd will be new uh, local comic shop day. A lot of comic shops in the areas um, will be running sales and things like that. Uh, be responsible, obviously, with your state and your mandates, wherever you're at. Uh, make sure you're just following your guidelines and doing your best to keep your comic shop employees safe. Um, that's the way I think about it when I go out in public and I'm doing things. It's not just about keeping myself safe, but also about the people and the businesses that I frequent so much and making sure that you know I'm doing my best to make sure that they stay safe as well while they're providing us a service that we all obviously during these times greatly appreciate. Um, but, uh, anything on your end you want to touch on or speak on? No, man. Uh, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, uh, this is a, this is good. I, you know, I like I like the format of this one, right? Where we got a little more time to talk about stuff. So, yeah. um, um so yeah. So if, if there's any books that we didn't touch on today or books that we're not talking about in general, if you, you see the pattern here, we kind of like to cover the books that we really like to cover and we're not the type of people to go out every week and buy 30,000 comics and then, you know, talk about all of them. We like to cover the things we're passionate about and give you guys some insight of what, what's going on and what we think you guys should be picking up and gals should be picking up. Um, uh, we appreciate everybody that, that has been with us to this point. Obviously, um, this is issue number 25, so it's kind of like our, our, our one-fourth to a hundred anniversary um, issue. Um, we do appreciate everybody that listens to us, everybody that interacts with us um, through social media. Um, if you're not already following us or you're new to the podcast, you can follow us at all our social medias at, at DGI podcast. Um, we stream through Captivate, but we're available on all major um, streaming platforms as far as podcasts go. Um, and if you have any recommendations or any books or anything you'd like to hear us pick up series, even if it's an old series, because like I said, Something is Killing the Children has been out for six or seven months now, and I, I just never got around to picking it up as an individual series. But picking up it, it, it as a volume, collect it, and reading it, really enjoyed it, and now it's pushing me into the single issues for them. Um, so, and that was based off the recommendation of a good friend of mine. So at the end of the day... Um, if there's something that you want us to cover, shoot us a message on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, shit, we're even on TikTok. So if you, uh, if you find us on air, interact with us, man, we, we respond to everybody and we post a ton on Instagram and Facebook. That's kind of our main hub of all our information. We're always giving updates on comics, entertainment, toys, and wrestling on there. Um, if you follow us and listen to all our issues and episodes, um, we I obviously released issue 24 on Monday. Um, um, for our Inside the Ropes edition of DGI, uh, which covers all wrestling stuff. And we will be back on Friday with issue number 26 for our Around the Multiverse. Um, I can't wait to talk Mandalorian. Um, I know Charlie obviously has been busy, but we will do our best to try and fit those in uh, when we can. So uh, I think that signs us off. I, 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 did your, I did your catchphrase on Monday, but I'll, I'll, I'll let, let you get it in today. All right, man. Well, yeah, if you got nothing else. Nope. Good. All right, man. Go ahead and hit our music. Music.